Hey everybody, welcome to ATD Greater Atlanta's web series, Building Our Vision. Um, 2020 has been an insane year. It's changed everything about what we do from how we work to how we live. So we've tapped a few experts in our community to help us build our vision of the future in these uncertain times. Um, and our guest today is Rob Bingham. He's a learning strategist and CEO of Converging Solutions, as well as the former president of the ATD Greater Atlanta chapter. Uh, so welcome and thank you so much, Rob. Hey, Neha. Thank you. Appreciate uh, the time and thank you for all your continued service to our chapter. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, so before we get into it, you know, I kind of want to ask you about your background a little bit. Um, where did you get your start? You know, how did you know that you were going to be a learning and development professional? <laughs> um, so I come from a long line of school teachers. My dad was a principal, my mom was a, a math teacher. So when I went through school, um, I decided I was gonna be a music major, of course. And mm -hmm. uh, But to get a job, uh, my parents convinced me that I ought to at least uh, have something as a backup. And so I ended up getting starting out in music ed and then eventually finished in math education. I taught math, I taught theater, I taught music, and I decided I really prefer adult learners. And so that's when I really transitioned into uh, uh, the live classroom as a facilitator uh, with a, a large uh, technology uh, company, a telecommunications company. And uh, that was uh, that was a magical place because uh, I really enjoyed the the uh, the elements that were the live performance elements. I, I used to do theater uh, back in the day as well. And so I loved the live performance elements, but I also really loved working with adult learners and seeing light bulbs come on. So it kind of brought it all together for me. That's awesome. Can I ask you what instruments you were playing or, you know, in your musician days? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I was a vocalist. I took oh, enough cool. keyboard in elementary school. I took a couple years of piano and then I quit until I got into keyboards in uh, college. Mm -hmm. And my keyboard, my keyboarding skills in college, I could barely reach an octave <laughs> whenever I was in grade school. And then I could reach an octave in two. So it was great piano hands, but I just... You know, it just was all thrown off by the gawky uh, growth <laughs> pattern. Uh, so yeah. I will never be a con concert pianist for sure. Oh, well. I gave up I'm on sure. that. Maybe oh. later you can give us a little concert, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm much better at the, uh, the keyboard on my computer now than... Uh, oh, cool. Awesome. Okay, so... So you started off, you became, um, you entered corporate America, things like that. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your experience in corporate America? Like kind of what kinds of companies did you work for um, and in what kinds of environments? Yeah, so telecommunications um, <clears throat> uh, is where I kind of was immersed. Um, I had this background, my master's degree was actually in curriculum instruction uh, with a theater emphasis. My undergrad mm -hmm. was in math education. And uh, and so when, when I started working corporate America, I was working inside of this big phone company. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I realized after I had been there for a couple, couple, three years, I had been promoting or thinking about how to market myself from a theater perspective for all these years. I had my master's listed as a theater master's. And it occurred to me, mm -hmm. I have a master's in curriculum instruction. I, I need to, you know, it's not about being a theater master. 
It needs to be about being a curriculum master. And so I ch literally changed that line on my resume and I got a huge promotion to national curriculum manager and they took oh, a wow. big risk on me. Um, and I am a strong proponent of failing fast and failing forward. And uh, it was it was a great six months, but it was obvious to them and to me that I just really wasn't ready for it. And I uh, had the opportunity at that point in my career, if I was going to be ready for it and I was I was ready to commit to it, they wanted me relocate out to the West Coast. And I was like, not only am I not confident moving my family out there uh, for this opportunity because I'd been a few months into the role, but I also just had no desire to live on the West Coast. So yeah. it was a really good time to reevaluate. And I actually uh, took a demotion within the company at that time and f worked there for another year, um, year, year and a half, until another opportunity came along. But that year and a half, I was working as an instructional designer. So this was the, all the business experience and in instructional design that I'd never had. I had it in the high school classroom, but not in uh, business. And I yeah. was literally managing other instructional designers, but I'd never done it in business. So oh, wow. it was it was an amazing, amazing fill in the gap kind of an opportunity for me. Definitely. What do you think are the main differences between um, instructional design in a classroom setting versus in a business setting? <laughs> oh, wow. Well, so before, so the reason I ask is because I know a lot of especially, you know, in ATD, when I talk to people, there's a lot of teachers who mm. are trying to transition into corporate instructional design and things like that. So it'd be interesting to hear your perspective on yeah. the differences. And I'll give you uh, my 32nd version of this because this okay, is this yeah. is a course, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I think the core essence is the difference between uh, yeah, I'm going to keep it at this. It's the difference between uh, Addy mm -hmm. uh, within the business and the, uh, the curriculum instruction course that they teach you as you prepare in your methods courses for education. Um, in the business environment, it really is all about analysis and evaluation. You have those elements in in the classroom, but all the analysis piece has been taken care of long before. Um, mm. And unless you are invited to work on a state curriculum uh, level of in putting together the curriculum, which I had the privilege of doing whenever I was uh, actually working on arts across the disciplines as a, a state mandate, uh, some grant work uh, with one of my professors, that was, that was a terrific experience where I really got to see, wow, at the state level, there's some real significant strategy thought behind what we put together for our, our classrooms to consume. But that outside of that, that was far, far away from the classroom, and you've got to get that. That's where you're starting. That's baby steps mm -hmm. in the business world. So that's the okay. biggest gap. And uh, I'm so, so grateful for uh, that, you know, that first leader that really took the opportunity and took a risk um, helping yeah. me make that transition. And I've helped several teachers make that transition over the years uh, because I appreciated having that break so much. Definitely. Well, we'll definitely get to some mentorship questions and things like that later. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Um, but kind of going back to your history and some things like, 
so okay after your experience in corporate america what made you kind of break out and decide to start um converging solutions <laughs> so uh it, it's interesting uh the, the short version of that story is i worked with consultants whenever i was inside of corporate america oh and Dan, and and just to say the kind of the the trajectory i worked with a telecommunications company i worked with a small consulting firm and got a feel for what that was like as the director of uh, curriculum design inside of that then i went back and worked with ameriprise financial uh, financial services and then healthcare company um, uh, in a couple different capacities and then got hired back as a consultant uh, with, I guess I was working with them as a consultant and then hired on full time with them. So I was kind of back and forth, um, but whenever I worked internally with consultants, there were a couple impressions I had. One was uh, this, I'm just not sure I feel good about this. And there were a couple reasons, mainly because I didn't feel it was very ethical. Uh, I didn't like the reality Whenever I learned how much they were charging for me to work with mm -hmm. this company, I felt guilty because I was like, I don't have any self-esteem issues, really, <laughs> but I don't think my time is worth what they're paying for my time. And I just was like, I felt guilty. Uh, I'm not that good, you know? Um, and There is a huge markup. It's a huge markup. It's yeah. huge. And mm -hmm. I just, and, and then it, it kind of burned me on both sides because I felt bad for the client. And then I felt bad. I'm the one that's here every day. I'm working 40 plus hours a week mm -hmm. and they're marking up sometimes a hundred percent. And wow. I'm like, that's just, that's not fair to them. It's not fair to mm -hmm. me. Um, because they're not there. They're setting up, you know, it's, it's all about them making the connection, but they're not there on a day-to-day -day basis. So right. I, I just really felt there's a better way to do this. I can save clients a whole lot of money and I can pay the contractors that I work with a whole lot more than they could get through another firm. So I, that, and that's really part of what the converging, uh, that's not where the model came from, but that was another application of the converging model. And, that's awesome. Yeah. Price, uh, saving people money is yeah. part, yeah. part of the model. That's it, awesome. Yeah, it's, it, it really is about creating win-win-wins. And if it's, yeah. if it's not a win for all three of us, then it's not a converging solution. Just to clarify kind of how your work works exactly, um, is so you as a consultant, like maybe a learning manager in a company or something has a problem that they can't solve or they don't have the capacity or something. And then that's when they come to you and they say, hey, Rob, like we have this, you know, we have this problem or we need to do this training or something. Um, and is, that's where you step in, right? Is that? Yeah, there's a gamut. Uh, but basically, it's anything from learning strategy work, which is mm -hmm. kind of what you're describing. They get stuck to uh, being short on resources. Uh, some, okay. A lot of times, if they're short on resources, they'll reach out. And what's really exciting about that is they, a lot of times clients don't realize how different or, or creative our, our solutions are. Um, mm -hmm. And we'll end up creating new templates for the organization, give them a fresh look and feel. Uh, something, you know, they think they're just hiring a hired gun, if you will, an extra right. hand on right. deck, but they're really getting a lot more uh, for their value. That's awesome. So it's not like you're just, you know, finding contract instructional designers or anything. It's much more than that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. Um, mm -hmm. So 
how has Converging Solutions changed in 2020? I mean, you know, I'm sure everybody's experiencing issues and things like that, but what have been some particular, you know, uh, challenges that, that you have faced? Yeah, uh, great question. So uh, we had probably um, half of our clients either shut down altogether. One of our clients was uh, re, uh, uh, the manager, uh, a managing company for retail stores within the airports, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. shut down completely. But there are other, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But there are other clients that are uh, that just pulled back some about. Uh, but so it, it is affected about 50% of our work. Um, mm-hmm. What is great about um, the Converging Solutions way is we are always looking at um, other alternatives. Um, mm-hmm. And so where within the, if you think about the, the learning communications performance um, that, were, that was just up on the screen, everything that most people reach out to us for is in, I'd say, 80% of our business has really been in that learning bucket, if you will. Mm-hmm. And this really mm-hmm. forced us, to, let's explore more about the performance and let's explore yeah. more about marketing communications. So we've mm-hmm. d- been doing um, websites for clients. We've been helping them with communication materials, um, some uh, live uh, facilitators that suddenly found themselves having to go virtual um, yeah. So that's been a big part of our pivot is to offer some of those services. Uh, a, a big way that we can help organizations is not just going to e-learning, but going virtual, um, and whether it's producing a, a, a session, a, a virtual session, or really mm-hmm. helping people who are used to being in front of the classroom and being so engaging in front of the classroom, they don't have all those uh, tools right. uh, available to them. And so they have to get creative and we can help them think about, oh, how can we make this a more engaging activity? What could people do during this section that's not just listening to you drone on? So with that, I'm going to s- awesome. stop droning on. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. Well, I mean, that's awesome. I kn- going virtual has been one of the biggest changes that I think the American workplace has experienced in you know the last couple of months. And a lot of people really aren't prepared for it. You yeah. Know, they're, yeah. It's, I mean... So is is converging solutions virtual? Have have your has your have you got internally had to go had to do any changes in how you communicate or anything? Well, let me let me say one thing first about where you were just going. So okay. on the one hand, it's been horrible, right? All this stuff yeah. that we have you we used to do live, now we have to do virtual. Or you can change your paradigm, you can just do the slightest shift and go, wow. This is incredible because we have the opportunity now to do things in a way that's so different from what we used to do. We have new problems to solve. One of the things that I missed about going from the classroom to corporate America was in the classroom, every day was something different and new. You never knew what those kids were going to bring in, right? But you go to your cookie-cutter cube in corporate America and it's like, Oh, yeah, another day of editing audio or video or, you know, whatever it is that you're mm-hmm. going to do for six mm-hmm. hours of that day. And there's v- the most exciting thing is lunch. And mm-hmm. and so this is a, an amazing opportunity time for us as as uh, 
as an industry. So embrace that. I just encourage people to just sink your teeth in and love it. Now, to answer your question about us, we've always been one of the things, one of the ways that Converging Solutions does things more affordably is we've always been 100% virtual. Um, So we have no brick and mortar. We never have. And yeah. uh, that, as you can imagine, uh, s- saves folks a ton, uh, a ton of money. Definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm sure people would be so interested to hear how you operate your company virtually. You know, I mean, what kinds of project management tools do you use? Um, how do you make sure that your team is cohesive, you know, even in a virtual? Um, so my, my husband works and he's always been a remote employee and things like that and now and he's just kind of like okay guys this is just how we've been doing it this whole time like so I mean but you know and everybody's kind of coming to him like okay well how do you work from home like what is that like you know so do you have any kind of tips or tricks or anything for managers like um (laughs) who you know to to just help 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 uh, them manage their teams virtually yeah you know uh the the best tip I have for you is contact us um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and what we'll do is uh, we we actually offer a free lunch and learn about oh, the cool. the remote worker um, and and uh, and leading what it's it's authentic leadership in a virtual world and so uh, we can bring that to your organization uh, it's specifically targeted toward manager levels um, mm-hmm. supervisor manager director levels um, but we can adapt it for other employees uh, be happy to. To, uh, that's awesome. That's a way that we can be introduced to your organization and add value, and that's an, another way we try to try to do that. So people get to know us as we get to know them. Definitely, yeah. And s- please send me that information, and I'll include it all in the in the in the description below. Great. Okay, so that's converging solutions, and I think y'all are doing such exciting things as a company, but. Rob Bingham, the man, is also a, a very highly interesting person. Um, and I, I, I kind of want to get into your, um, your mentorship, you know. Um, so originally the way that this web series started is that we were going to have ACE um, as a virtual conference. And, um, and you signed up to be a mentor, uh, so, you know, so people could sign up to be like do like a little one on one, you know, session with you and things like that and unfortunately we had to cancel ace but now we're gonna try to do a little virtual mentoring session with me as the proxy (laughs) um and anybody that wants any kind of mentoring from rob or anything um i'll put his contact information below too so you know if you want to contact him and be like hey i (laughs) loved what you said during this video you know please um you know i want to learn more about this you know feel free to contact him so Long story short, um, what made you sign up to be a mentor for ACE? You know, what what makes you want to be a mentor? Well, there's this itch right back here that is, you know, that's related to that uh, that teacher element. Um, I, I, I just love, I love seeing light bulbs come on. I love helping facilitate people's journeys. It's just part of, uh, of my value base and, and who I am. So that part of wanting to give back is what, what got me to, you start volunteering with ATD, um, and it, and which eventually led to uh, uh, leading the chapter in 2017 as as the president. So, um, yeah. uh, and you know, I, this is probably as good a place as any to throw this in. But I gotta say, 
for those who are ATD members, get involved. Um, if you asked Neha, and I'm going to ask you, Neha, um, yeah. so what do you think your value, think about uh, your experience with the chapter before you volunteered the very first time, and you probably jumped in and right, right away. Uh, but uh, what is the difference in the level of what you got from the chapter because of your volunteerism before you volunteered versus after you started volunteering? Yeah, I, I mean, the difference is, is night and day, honestly. I feel so much more kind of personal empowerment um, when I volunteer because I'm I go into every ATD space and I'm like, well, these are the things that I'm going to get out of it, you know, and, and, and I go in and I leave and I have so many ideas and then I think, oh, wow, I could implement this in a, a space at ATD, you know, and, and I feel like ATD gives you so much like a platform to yeah. do what it is that you want to do. Um, that, yeah, I think volunteering has just been a huge, huge benefit for me and and can i can i share this example about you uh oh, sure. okay let me sure. let me just do this because uh, this is huge and it's just the, the, the such an opportunity that people miss out on you have done some things as a volunteer with atd that are right in your wheelhouse you've done them because you know you're good at them and you can give back to the chapter in that way um there are other things that are new experiences that you've never had. And one of them, I might say, uh, used to be, not anymore, but used to be podcasting. So yes. this experience uh, was something that you just had not, you've thought about, you ruminated about, you've done, did, you did your research about, but until there was this opportunity to do it, and it was a huge need for the chapter, then it was like, wow, this is, this is a pig pen that I can get crawl inside of and get muddy with and i've got the perfect opportunity if it fails i go to the next uh, podcast topic and we don't ever let that one see the light of day but we're moving forward and so uh, you're a perfect example of that so uh, uh thank you so much no you you hit the nail right on the head yeah podcasting for sure has been i remember it was one of the first times that i came in and i was like hey guys i want to start a podcast and then it took a year you know for so i met zach hudson and then he talked to me through a lot of the podcasting so, so yeah it's just meeting people and then having the space the platform for volunteering and it's the strength and the power of the network that really yes. allows you to do that so I, I, I tell the story that when I first moved to Atlanta, I was supposed to speak for a conference, and I spoke at that conference, and I thought, you know what, Atlanta chapter, I need to be involved. I'm going to come to one thing every month. The next year, I walked into the same conference a year later and realized I had not been to one event. I had served mm -hmm. on boards in Nashville and boards in Minneapolis, and I thought, duh. I, I was just taking some time off, and that's okay, and that's cool. But a year had gone by, and I had not been to a single chapter event because I was not volunteering, which just keeps you engaged in giving back. And of course, definitely, I didn't get anything by not volunteering because I didn't even show up. So volunteer. <laughs> if nothing else, it'll force you to show up. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. All right. Um, Sidetrack. No. <laughs> um, so we were, okay, so we were talking about mentorship. What were we talking uh, about? We were talking about mentorship. Yeah, we yeah. were talking about why did you decide to sign up to be an ace mentor? That's what we were talking about. And so so what I want is I want to know is 
so I've actually never had a mentor really before. You know, I've never really had like a long term, um, you know, person who I could like come and talk to about different, you know, whatever. Um, so I guess how do how do you go about looking for a mentor or how do you go about, you know, choosing a mentor? Um, I guess. OK, here's my real question. This is my you know practical question yeah. is how do you, first of all, um, find somebody that you're interested in and then how do you keep in touch with them or how do you approach them and say hey I really admire your work um, I would love to cultivate kind of a relationship with you like that's a scary thing you know yeah. for me for me to do kind of so like what would your advice be for that I'll, I'll tell you the best advice I got from a guy that I approached about mentoring I was new in my own consulting practice and uh, somebody said, oh, this this guy has been running his own business. He's grown it from this to this, and he's been very successful at what he does. Um, you need to get to know him. So I reached out to him. I said, hey, I'm wondering if, uh, you know, you, you kind of initiate the conversation. What mm-hmm. might that look like to you? And uh, it was it was awesome the way he handled it and I have remembered it because it's it's so practical he said basically he said you're probably not gonna want to work with me because um, you know I, I have very limited time and if you work with me then you're gonna agree to X Y Z A B C D E F you know kind of thing mm-hmm. and I was like yeah you're right I don't I'm I'm not going to be able to commit to that, and uh, and, mm-hmm. and 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 it saved both of us a lot of time, right? I wasn't ready mm-hmm. at that point in my uh, I, I was just I was trying my first podcast, right? It, it and he was like, "You need to sign up for the full enchilada, <laughs> the right. five year commitment." I'm like, "No, dude, that's not. I'm not ready for that." <laughs> so, but that was really really beneficial to hear. Uh, and think about that. Now, most mentorship uh, arrangements, I guess my, my tip is, if you're going to approach someone, approach them with a very finite uh, a time frame. I'd, mm-hmm. I would like to get to know you better, um, wondering if you could give me, uh, uh, you know, three, uh, maybe three sessions that we could just meet together briefly, and uh, I could pick your brain for 30 minutes. Something very, very approachable, mm-hmm. so that if anybody's got any bandwidth and any life desire in them to give back that it's it would be a pretty non-threatening level of commitment Um, that's a great way to get started and there's a lot that's a good tip yeah a lot you can start from with that Mm -hmm. and learn from that and one of the things that you can talk about with your mentorship is who have you mentored with and and how did you approach those just like you did so masterfully done (laughs) so um what kinds of things are you comfortable mentoring people on yeah um so a a lot of i i've worked with several people on career transitions i just love that whole space of um Mm -hmm. whether it's interviewing skills or updating resumes things like that I, i love helping people think through how to make their resume come to life and generate more questions. Um, mm-hmm. One of the questions I have on my resume is ask me about, and then there's you know some, some specific thing to ask about. Yeah. The, the, the key is if you're going to call out three or four things on your resume, ask me about this, ask me about how I saved a company th- over $3 million in a year, 
-hmm. I better have that well rehearsed and ready to deliver because if I'm offering that up, then I better deliver on it, right? So Mm -hmm. that's a Mm -hmm. whole nother elevator speech that you've got to have committed and down cold. Um, others, and as an actor, uh, I'm sure you're <laughs> well <laughs> practiced at putting you know, all that you know, together. It's really fascinating, Neha, because one of the things that I have found is is it's it's interesting, and I'm probably demonstrating it perfectly for you today. Uh, when we're in an we're, when we are in an ad lib environment, and I don't have a script to work from. Mm-hmm. That's tougher. I'm I'm an uh uh um uh, lots of uh if you think about it from a Toastmasters perspective, I actually had a lady come up during one of my live training sessions at the telecommunications company and said to me, "Rob, I really enjoy your class. That's awesome. Uh, thank you. You're just so knowledgeable. Very honoring. Uh, by the way, have you ever heard of Toastmasters? <laughs> because." I, oh no! Yeah, and 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 I didn't take offense at it at all because I'm yeah. very comfortable with my uhs and ums and uhs. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't make me uncomfortable, but that helped me realize, you know what? I want to, I want to work on that just so that it doesn't get in other people's way as they're listening mm-hmm. to me. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of ummer, ummers, ours um, have no problem. It, it's. Yeah, live speaking and yeah. stuff. I mean, thank you so much for being in this kind of uh, ad lib environment. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I appreciate that. So, do you prefer to a more rehearsed environment versus an ad lib? Or it's not that I prefer it. I think other people would say I'm better at it. Um, okay. You know, I, I, yeah. I've I've learned to be very very comfortable with who I am. Um, yeah. And I wasn't always, and that only added to the pressure that you'd feel in an ad lib environment. But mm-hmm. some of the theater background, man, uh, the, the, the practice of improvisation is so valuable. And so I really leverage that a lot in this mm-hmm. kind of environment. Um, other other uh, mentor uh, opportunities, I guess, that I or, or ways I've served other people in mentoring, big time ATD. If I mm-hmm. go to speak for another ATD chapter, one of the things that I will focus on is I'll, I'm happy to meet with your board and talk with your board about how to uh, develop strategic partnerships within your chapter. Um, uh, uh, with new L&D leaders, a lot of times I'll work with them just uh, around either team leadership, um, <laughs> uh, long story, uh, interesting, fascinating, uh, where some people start out whenever they're called to be a leader. You know, they were really good as an individual contributor, and they just don't have the 101 practical mm-hmm. skills, and they're doing things that hurt their team, and they mm-hmm. figure it out in really bad, tough ways. You know, they're burning bridges. Yeah. So working with those individuals and then uh, L&D executives that are um, really needing strategy support in some way, shape, or form. Help, help me think as an outsider, this is what I'm doing and I, back to the target model, mm-hmm. what could I do differently? And so I just kind of blow up the world that they're stuck in and say, mm-hmm. why are you limiting yourself to this? Oh, because we have this LMS or we only have this much budget. Blow it up. What if you didn't have those budget constraints? What would you do? But mm-hmm. I do. I do, though. Yeah, yeah, I know you do. But there's other ways to get resources that are free. So let's not limit ourselves. What is the 
big enchilada that you'd really love to have, and then let's figure out how to build it. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So did you hear that, folks? <laughs> this, Any of those people, get in touch with Rob. <laughs> Thanks, um, Naya. <laughs> I'm like yeah. talking to our mem- our you know audience of like six people right now. <laughs> it's like my mom. All six of them are calling me right now. Hang on. <laughs> uh. um, okay, so let me ask you kind of a, a little question about. 2020 all right so we're trying to build our vision of 2020 we're trying to make sense of all of the craziness that has happened vision Um, 2020 i'm on it right here oh oh you mean 2020 okay go ahead i'm dead (laughs) see i'm doing something to keep people awake because i say um go ahead you really are no i see your improv background i see it um okay so how has the talent development industry changed in 2020? And do you see any trends that, you know, people in the field can capitalize on or, you know, just kind of use it to their advantage? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess the main one that uh, I will call out is part of this uh, uh, lunch and learn session that we point Mm -hmm. out is a lot of people are approaching oh, 2020, we've got to be remote now and all the headache around it. Well, let's just do this to survive. And okay, here's how to turn on a Zoom room. Okay, we're going to get through this. And they're shuffling papers and they're they're not thinking about the production value, uh, the mm-hmm. production elements that go into running an effective meeting um, live, much less virtual. So there's the re- a real opportunity right now just to pr- rehearse and demonstrate your expertise as someone who gets the technology requirements required to be effective at remote um, management, remote learning. So that's a huge opportunity right now. If you can become, even if you are not yet, become one of those experts, volunteer to run an ATD virtual meeting, create those environments where you're going to have to be the one in charge of Mm -hmm. and figure out what you need to do to better and up your game. That's huge because that's not going to just serve you this year. That'll serve you the rest of your career. That's, that's excellent. Yeah. That's the, that's the biggest one right now, I think. Yeah. So, okay. So in our, we sent you a little survey, um, uh, to be a mentor and it, it, we asked you, what is the biggest challenge in 2020? Okay, and this was your answer. Determining who and what you can trust and then acting on it with humble confidence. So those are pretty wise words. Um, so can you expand on that a little bit? Uh, what that do you mean brilliant. by- That sounds brilliant. Who, who, did, who I, said like, that? Wow. <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> um, uh, did I say so that? How do you... <laughs> um, how do you determine who to trust? and? What does, you know, humble confidence mean? Uh, yeah. Okay. Wow. This is uh, your, uh, I'm, I'm going to show my age now. This is a regular Barbara <laughs> Walters moment that you're doing here because you're really taking, you're getting to the essence, right? You're not taking the, uh, the answer at its surface. Um, so um, for me, um, I will say uh, from my perspective, uh, for me, this is really all about um, who you trust. And, and, and 
my heart goes out to people in this environment because right now what's happening in this whole COVID environment is some people are so, so paralyzed with the unknown and the fear. Um, and so uh, for me, from my perspective, I'm coming from a Christian perspective. My trust is in the Lord, very practically, very real. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, in, in our society, one of the things that concerns me uh, from a converging solutions perspective is we are getting so compartmentalized that it, we, we know it's not politically popular or politically correct to talk about religion, politics, other things that are just taboo topics. And so we don't share anything about faith as a result. And so, uh, and, and yet we have these people around us that are really um, being swallowed up in fear. Um, but it's not a safe environment. I can't share anything that I, uh, you know, any reason that I have uh, peace and hope and life mm-hmm. um, because that's just off limits. Mm-hmm. Wow, we've done each other such a disservice. You know, you come from a different faith background. I would, mm-hmm. I, I would love, you know, and, and I think that we've done such a pendulum swing, right? Because we were such a, a Christian-centric nation from our mm-hmm. origins that we kind of did this pendulum swing away from, well, we can't do everything Christian all the time. That's not fair, and it's not being sensitive to other cultures and other uh, backgrounds. And so we've done this mega pendulum swing where the only thing that we can't talk about is a, a Christian faith, but if we can talk about any other faith, and that's okay. We can talk about no faith, and that's okay. And so we've kind of almost done this inverse kind of, and you see this, uh, uh, again, I'm, I'm looking at this from a converging solutions perspective, right? Where we question, mm-hmm. we question those, um, those assumptions that we make. But we've also done this in uh, race relations too, where we've had this big pendulum swing, and now we've got people committing violence, violent acts, because of past sins and past abuse, I get that. I think everybody gets that. But we are doing the very thing that we detest. And that's a scary place to be as a society. And so um, that's, that's where, for me, of uh, determining who you can trust, it really is a core value kind of decision that we each have to mm-hmm. make. And... Um, and that's that's where it comes from for me. I challenge some of my folks. So that's that's the religion piece of it, right? I challenge some of uh, my folks uh, who have a, a converging solutions. So what are some examples of this? I I go. This is this is instantly going to date what we're recording today. Um, and timestamp it in everybody's mind. Uh, we're recording this on the eve of the Trump-Biden debate. So, I know, right? Yeah, so we are eagerly anticipating what could possibly happen at this moment. And by the time you're listening to this, <laughs> oh, I remember when that happened. Oh, wow. Sure is. Yeah. Cool. Um, and, <laughs> we're going to look back and we're going to be like, oh, those naive little babies. Yeah. You know, they didn't even know what yeah. was coming. They didn't know what was coming down the pike. <laughs> they didn't know. <laughs> but what I love to do is, and because we are so polarized as a country right now, I love to challenge people. 
you're not thinking about how to ch shift your paradigm if you cannot find anything to appreciate about Joe Biden, if you can't find anything to appreciate about Donald Trump, you're you're sitting in the middle of a lot of uh, uh, preconceptions, and uh, mm -hmm. and and I could list a, a, you know a Joe Biden's foreign policy approach, his emotional intelligence and in working with people, and if you find yourself scoffing, what are you, are you kidding me? He is so <laughs> blah blah blah. Or I say. Uh, Trump's economic uh, uh, competencies, and somebody goes, and they start to retch, that might be an indication that you've got a lot of preconceptions that you could take a risk and try tearing down and really exploring what's on the other side of that. So that's, uh, that's why, um, that's, and, and that's points to the humble confidence question you ask. Mm -hmm. For me, it really is, are we willing and ready and able to learn from each other and from other people and different perspectives. We may still hang on to our core values. Hopefully we will. Um, but that allows us the privilege of being able to understand other people, other perspectives, and be able to fathom. I mean, you know, what's so grievous to me, I read an article the other day, I lost my best friend to uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> and it was about how they had been best friends for decades. And then they suddenly, you know, because of what happened in 2016, sh they can no longer be friends. And I'm like, are you kidding me? How sad yeah. is that? How sad? Mm -hmm. So I have uh, jumped on a soapbox um, that, that <laughs> but, but I'm so passionate about it because of the paradigm shifts that are happening and because of social media, we're paradigm shifting away instead of paradigm shifting together. And that's the real yeah. challenge. Does that make any sense? So and is that helpful at all? It it does, yeah. I think you're talking about how um, we are really uh, polarized, you know, and even when you step out into society, it's kind of like, are you in camp A or are you in camp B? And there's no mixing in between. and it's like, okay, well, if you, you know, if you say even one thing, like, okay, if you say I'm a Christian or if you say I'm a Hindu or, you know, whatever, then you immediately get placed in one yeah. camp or the other and there's no opportunity for, you know, crossover. So what, how do, as a, you know, what's the converging solutions model to, to start that crossover? Like, how do we yeah. create that empathy and the, it, it, you know, and, it goes back to that target model that I highlighted earlier, mm -hmm. tearing down preconceptions. So what am I assuming? If I if if I hear you're Hindu, what do I assume that means about you? Well, how do I know that? Have mm -hmm. I had a conversation with you about it, or did I just throw you in a bucket? Mm -hmm. When you hear about me, or you look at me as a white male Christian, what do you assume about me? Oh, prejudice, uh, bigot, whatever. You know, seriously, mm -hmm. you have no mm -hmm. idea that my family has a adopted uh, um, uh, other race children. Oh, that may even be a problem for you, right? And so, mm -hmm. uh, and, and then once we start to tear down some of those preconceptions about others, I can start tearing down some of my own preconceptions about myself. Why is it that I would have a problem with someone being this way? Well, it's because of this, this, this. Well, could it be okay to accept them 
as they are if I want to be accepted as I am? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and what where is that threatening to me and why? What do I, I mean, what ways do I explore that space inside of me that sees myself as a victim? I think a great comedy sketch, by the way, it would be so offensive nobody would get away with it. Um, but a, a great <laughs> comedy sketch is to talk about all of the all of the ways that white males have it so tough in today's society, right? I, and, and you could come up with all this list of how you see yourself as a victim, but from a white male perspective, it would be pretty hysterical and pretty offensive all at the same time, right? Yeah. Yeah. You'd really have to, you know, you'd have to be okay with a lot of yeah. things in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But but some... You should do it, Rob. I, I, would, I would watch that. I, I wouldn't cancel you. I would. Yeah, but 99% of the rest of the world would because they hadn't had this conversation. That's right. That's right. But but well, they need to come to your lunch and learn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they're welcome. Uh, I will I will accept them even if they are from different wow. background than me. That's amazing. Well, uh, this has taken an unexpectedly deep turn, <laughs> but I think that that is just so yeah, <laughs> so indicative of you and your personality and just all of the various depths that you that you contain. So, I mean. So, it's not where I was expecting it to go, but I love that we're here. <laughs> well, good. Well, uh, thank you for allowing it to go there. Um, I, th- of course. The only reason for doing that, of course, is to just test your ability as the podcast host to bring us home. So Yes. So do it. I'm, just, I'm here to just crack the <laughs> pearls out of the oyster, you know? <laughs> I feel like we just did that. Uh, okay, so... You know, we're we're right at the end of the podcast. Um, I, the last thing that I want to ask you is, do you have any last words for our listeners or last words of advice as as our virtual mentor? <laughs> to, you know, give us give us some words of hope and give us some words of advice. My hope is that I don't get canceled in life in general after this podcast. Thank you so no. much for leading me <laughs> to that brink of what is socially Sorry acceptable for, <laughs> for taking you into into troubled waters no, you know? <laughs> no you know what um i have decided i'm at that age in my life where i've decided that if i'm not gonna be real then how can i expect anybody else to be yeah. real and as i see my daughters and sons going through this time in their life where they're so concerned and preoccupied with what other people think and i see people being intimidated to compliance it just grieves my heart. And mm-hmm. uh, so uh, we laugh about our uh, my wife's grandmother. She was like, she would say anything. She just didn't care anymore. And there was some, <laughs> you know, some dark side to that sometimes. But yeah. there, there really is something refreshing, too, whenever it's about accepting people where they are and as they are, even though I don't agree with uh, you mm-hmm. at, in some way, shape, or form. But still being able to accept you and and uh, love you and and uh, uh, debate uh, intellectually with you, and um, that's uh, uh, that's kind of you think about the, what's going on right now in the um, Supreme Court. They talk about Scalia and Ginsburg's relationship, polar mm-hmm. opposites philosophically, but they were great friends. Mm-hmm. That's what is dying off. And that's what we've got to figure out as a people how to re-embrace. So from a converging solutions model, if I can be this much of that solution and help teams and people and 
organizations understand that and not buy into this cancel culture, then that's uh, I could get I could get worked up. I could get passionate about that. I don't know if you could tell. Oh, <laughs> just a little bit. Just <laughs> sorry. I could see. No, it's okay. It's like earlier when we were talking about me yelling as soon as the mic came on. You know, yeah. you you got fired up yeah. as soon yeah. as we started talking about that, and I love it. Um, well. Thank you so much, Rob. This has been an enlightening conversation. Um, And, you know, I'm so excited for anybody that decides to contact you to be their mentor. I think you're going to be an amazing resource. And you have been an amazing resource for all of ATD Atlanta. Um, So, yep, thank you so much. And for anybody that has any questions or concerns, y'all can find my contact and Rob's contact in the description box. uh, sorry, Rob, did you want to say something? I was going to say thank you, uh, Neha, again, for making this happen. Thank you for uh, just adding value for the people that signed up to be mentors, um, to add value uh, f- f- in that partnership for each of them uh, as as uh, you just continue to uh, glean uh, win- insight and wisdom from each of the each of the mentors. You've got a great lineup in in the other folks that are participating. So thank you so much for your service. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, stay safe and whether you, know, you stay tuned. We could go there. We could go there. Whether you mask up or don't mask up, stay safe. But we won't talk about that. No. It's- <laughs> <laughs> that would be beyond what we could bear. All right. Thank you All so right. much. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. <laughs> Bye. Bye.